Good morning again. It's good to see everyone. It is great to actually see everyone. It's a blessing. Let me pray and then we'll uh, just review some of our questions we're working on. Father, we praise you for mornings because every morning your mercies are new. You sustain us with your word, you sustain our hearts. You sustain this world, upholding it all by your powerful word. And we give you the praise this morning. And we ask you for your help, that your spirit would help us this morning as we um, consider your creative rule over this entire galaxy, all the galaxies, over the whole universe. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we'll let the Westcombs know what we're doing here this morning. So we started up uh, Sunday school again, finally, uh, and decided that we would learn a catechism together. And uh, just because, frankly, we need to just make sure we're grounded so that when we're in prison, we have things to help each other with and think through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we laugh a little bit, but we laugh with this back feeling of, ah, uh, that may it's, be coming. It's funny how often I've said something like that to somebody, and almost nobody ever goes, oh, come on. Everybody's like... It could happen. Yeah, yeah, when right. Right. Yep. And this particular catechism is a combination and updating of the language of the Heidelberg Catechism mainly and Westminster Shorter. But all right. But well we begin by just reviewing the questions. Who, who, and I have prizes today. Oh my. Finally remembered here. All right, so I should have reviewed more. <laughs> All right, so who who can answer this one? What is our only hope in life and death? Liam. That we are not our own body and soul, but the mind and death. Give him the whole bag. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. If you can do that. (laughs) Good job. Great job. Next one. Whoa, that one I don't have hiding. Shoot. Well, I'll ask the question. Second question is, what is God? That was a tough one, but Norma had it a couple weeks ago. Still think it's there? Go ahead. You, super close. Like, I'm going to let you have, pick something from the, the tree bag yeah, here. Can, here we go. That's the longest one. Yeah, yeah. I let you She's like, what? I haven't gone trick-or-treating in years. <laughs> Good job. He is... Uh, Unchangeable in his power and perfection, and then the goodness and glory part. So <laughs> that's what you were telling me. All right, how many persons are there in God? Who wants to tackle that one? Three. There we go. <laughs> there are three persons in the one true God, true and living God. Let's say it together the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. All right, the fourth question that we covered last week, 
Let's just read that one together. How and why did God create us? God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Fantastic. Who else needs one of these handouts? I thought we had a couple of extras. Aaron and Stacy, I think you did. He formed us with his hands out of the dust of the earth and opposed to speaking us into existence like the other part of creation. That's, that's so... He took the time to use his hands to make it. Yeah. I actually have that in my notes today because I was just contemplating on the same thing this week. Great minds think alike. There you go. He, made, he spoke everything into existence except for humans. Uh-huh. Isn't that kind of like, whoa. Mm. All right. Well, let me ask you, um, what is, like, in your mind, the most amazing thing you've ever seen in creation? When you, like, contemplate, maybe besides the human body, but that would be fair, too. What, what are the things? The birth of a baby. Yeah. The birth of a baby. Yeah. Yeah. What else blows your mind when you consider creation? Good morning. Just, just babies in general. When you hold it like their, like their hands, their, you know, all these little features. And like, yeah, but when you see him take that breath. Yeah. Yeah. Take that breath. Absolutely. Maybe I'm a crazy Yeah. It's mind blowing. Those perennials, how they die yeah. in the winter, and then all of a sudden, tick. And then, you know, there, I was looking at this rose bush the other day, and this rose bush must have been, was it was a different kind of a rose bush, but it was like five foot tall, the stem. And it was standing. It's mind blowing, isn't it? How, how many? Go my ahead. Favorite thing. I, 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 just, it's, it, 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 I've noticed more and more as science discovers more that creation is constantly proving itself in different. Mm. Like they just saw a supernova that was birthing stars. Yeah. And I'm like, do they do they wrap their head around that? Like, <laughs> it's something that. Is out there that God created uh-huh. that's birthing planets, rock, yeah. geological formations, and yet here close to home. So I mean, it's just it's constant. There there yeah. are mathematical equations that show up that are mm. crazy equations that show up all over nature. And you're speaking my language, constant, my man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you saw that? There was a picture this week I saw on the internet of a bee that they like got so zoomed in you could see the details in its eyes these this grid in their eyes just perfect symmetry in those eyes and the whole body has this symmetry or at least the face has this symmetry that just it's amazing isn't it oh i was watching a video the other day of you know how like dragonflies have the four wings and the, the hovering the ability they have to hover but they were showing a fly 
or like a bees are the same way, they don't have the same number of wings, but they have these two little knobs in the back that as the wings flap, they flap the opposite way, just in the perfect balance to keep them, like it's not like perfectly synchronized, it's done in such a way so that they can hover forward or hover back yes. and yes. side to side and you go, that's... Same way with the hummingbirds. Yes, oh, yeah. the hummingbirds. Man, it, the, the, um, that's, part of that's called irreducible complexity. Yes. You cannot have something evolve into that state of complexity, like back, go backwards, because it wouldn't work. They would die. That's why I always mention in Darwin's Origin of Species, he actually says, when I consider the eye, with all of its abilities adjust to light and dark and the contrite, like he just goes into this great detail. He says, to think that it came about by a natural selection is absurd to the highest degree. And I go, well, duh. I mean, and he didn't even know the half of it. You yeah, know? I mean, right. Now we're getting into this microbiology, and you find these microscopic organisms that are highly complex, that are just blows the mind, or the amount of information that yeah. is in one strain of DNA is, you know, it's, you, you, you can't... It blows the mind. It's, it's just unfathomable sometimes. So keep, keep those things in mind as we read this week's question. Let's read it together. What else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word. And all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Oof, this is so great. Like, so what we typically do... I'm going to ask just three questions to break this down. What does this mean? And we just, I just break down the fra- into phrases. Mm-hmm. And then where did we um, get this from in terms of where does Scripture teach this? And then why does it matter? So first of all, let's break it down. What does it mean? God created. Ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. God is the one who created, right? It's not random chance. Sometimes when you listen to people talk about this, they begin to think... They talk about chance almost as if it is a being in itself. Mm -hmm. And chance, (laughs) there is no such thing. It's all planned out by God, which is just mind-blowing. All things. Um, This is hard to understand the phrase. I know. It means all things. (laughs) When I was in seminary, we had this, this, this guy who was, he'd be teaching through like the Greek We'd be walking through a verse, and, and he'd come to something like this, and he goes, now the Greek word here, pantos, means all, like all things. And we're like, oh. Like, like you have to do a word study. No, it means everything. It's just nothing is excluded. Um, it's not just some initial explosion that started, like God maybe started the, some kind of bang, and then everything fell out. From there, no, it can't be. That's this says, as we'll see, all things he created. Um, it wasn't that he just created a few primordial cells, that like he somehow made that soup that would then take over and run on its own course. It doesn't make sense, does it? It just can't make sense. So, all things he created, all things. How did he do it though? I just this is so interesting. Um, last Sunday. Does anybody remember what, when the centurion believed that 
he would heal his servant. Do you remember what the centurion said it would only take to heal the servant? His word. He said, just say the word. Um, just Luke 7, it just says, say the word and let my servant be healed. So what did the centurion believe about the power of Jesus' words? Put your thinking caps on a little bit. What did the centurion actually believe about Jesus' words? That he had authority. That's why he says, and this is what Pastor Matt was talking about, he recognized Oh, I have authority, and I tell somebody with my words to go, and they go, and they do, right? And so he made that connection. That, that comes only with a certain kind of authority. As Pastor Matt pointed out, Jesus, he recognized, has authority to speak to the germs in us and command them to go away. What is also logically true, if he has the power to do that, he also has the power to say, no, you're going to get COVID today. But um, here's the other interesting thing I want us to see. Um, And this is all his creation was very good is the next phrase. Everything he made was good. Now, (laughs) it wasn't flawed in its design. That's important, very important for us to understand. And, you know, it makes sense from our previous thing. What kind of God is he? Remember the word that Miss Norman missed today? Goodness. Goodness. Right? You just had to point that out. I did. I did last week. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pick on you, Norma. <laughs> it makes sense, then, that if a God is infinitely good that he would make nothing bad. It makes sense that he can't if he's infinitely, fully, 100% good. But I think there's this um, idea that we get that our bodies are kind of bad, that the thing that matters is our, our soul. You know, this, this body's going to go away and we'll just be souls forever, drifting but think about the way God made Adam and Eve. This is where I was going to go that Aaron started to bring up. All of creation, God spoke it into existence. But how does it say he made Adam? Any of the kids, how did God make Adam when it's describing in chapter 2 how he made him? Wesley. He did. And that describes the way he is, was made. Out of dirt, right? Now, did Adam take um, dirt that is like soul dirt and body dirt and make them together to make an atom? No. Here's my point. God made Adam whole. He made him with a body and soul, and they're together one thing. And God says about your body that it's good. Now, we know chapter 3 of Genesis happens and things get broken, right? 
We know now that our bodies are broken, but the design in them didn't change. And what happens at the end of time? That song we've been learning, Christ our hope in life and death. Why is here our hope in life and death? Why is there a hope in death? What's the hope? Resurrection. The resurrection. What happens at the resurrection? We get our perfect body, but... It takes the body that's in the ground or being cremated, which is interesting to think about, isn't it? If, especially if it was thrown out into the sea, he pulls all those pieces back together. There's a resurrection of that body, which is then perfected and joined back to your soul, which is the way we were made to be in the garden. That's, that's and he did all that and says it was very good. Last phrase of our question, everything flourished under his loving rule. Okay, now you have to imagine a little bit because we go from Genesis 1 talking about how God made the earth and then Genesis 2 talks about how he made Adam and Eve and what their job was in the garden and then we get to chapter 3 and they mess everything up. We don't know how long it took between chapter 2 and chapter 3. But we can make some logical connections. We can imply if God says everything's good in Genesis 1, 31, that everything stayed good and perfect until chapter 3, right? So it's safe to say, especially because some other verses we'll see today, that everything flourished. What does that word sound like it means to you? To flourish. Say again? Bloom out. I love that. What did you say? Grew. 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 I thought you said room. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. I know. It grew it high yields. I love it. And, and bloomed in will. Prosper. Yes. Yes. And we're going to see in Psalm 72 in a second that that's exactly what it meant. High yields, prosperity. And here's the thing. This is actually still true today. That last part. Don't miss this. Under his loving rule, everything flourishes. So that means for you, and even anyone who's not even a Christian, when they follow God's principles, as he's laid out in Proverbs, tend, things tend to be flourishing. It's, it's the principle of common grace. When you live and operate in the way God made you to do, you're going to tend to have a lot of success. It's pretty interesting. I'm not preaching some kind of prosperity gospel here. Because people followed the, the patterns and principles laid out in God's word. What were you going to say, Matt? I was going to say, we see that right now with uh, if you drive to church and you don't drive through town and you see all these fields. Yeah. I mean, how are they able to, will they follow, there's some basic principles there too. Mm-hmm. Plant, when you do that, when's a good time to do that, the way God created everything, and, and they, they yeah. know when to put it in the ground. They know, okay, this is when we harvest, and they pray for rain. Right. right? They know that it needs the water, and, and uh, you know, but that God's design, and then you see, as far as the eye can see, a, a flourishing of corn and beans. It's amazing. Feeding the world. It's amazing. That's one of my favorites. I see midwestern girl right i love to see that when you drive and you see the roads mm-hmm. yeah you know? and like you said as far as you can see you see the fields and the beans and the corn and 
Yep. 2100, as it intersects with Henning Road. Sometimes when we're going out towards Champaign, we go that way. And the road's narrow. I mean, it's one of those you're almost nervous when you get past somebody. Mm-hmm. When the corn's like nine feet tall on both sides. Yeah. It just is so cool. Mm-hmm. Right? That's flourishing. God's creation flourishing. So where do we get this from? But let's say our line, our catechism question again, so it gets in our head a little bit more. What else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word. And all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Okay, so where do we get this from? You can do it, Liam, because I know you gave us the catechism question. What does Genesis 1-1 say? Exactly, right? Everything. That's everything, right? I mean, that really kind of encompasses the whole question, the whole answer to our catechism, right? God is the one at the, at the very beginning who made it all, right? Okay, but let's break it down a little bit more because, as I've said, these catechism questions don't even just derive from one verse. This is teaching that you'll see through the whole Bible. So who has John 1, 3? Norma. That's kind of hard to get around. Like, well, maybe he, some things, all things, and not anything that was made was, <laughs> it's very clear. That's so good. I, I know I keep adding. No, oh, go ahead. Um, you think about there's two categories of things. There's made things and not made things. <laughs> and everything, all the made things were made by him. Which means he's not a made thing. Yes. All the made things were made by him. And so... You think, well, that's, it's everything but him. But him. Everything but him is, is made, and he made it all. And that verse right before that, John 1 and 1, 2, mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that Word made all things, and there was nothing that was made that wasn't, right? But then it tells us in Hebrews 1, 3, how, is that the right one that I wanted to do? It wasn't 1-3, was it? It's 11-3, I think. Who has Hebrews 11-3? Can you look up Hebrews 11-3 for me? I like 1-3 because that talks about God sustaining power with his word. It upholds everything by his powerful word. That talks about what he continues to do. But 11-3 tells us um, how he did it. It's, it's just echoing Genesis. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Mm-hmm. That, it's, like, it's almost like a commentary on Genesis 1, mm-hmm. chapter 1, right? We know that he made it by his word, but it's just stating that even the things that were not seen, it's all made by his powerful word. And then, who has Genesis one thirty one? Go ahead. Everything he made was very good. Now, there's, a, there's a false teaching. I started to get at this, this idea that we think that our body's bad. Really, all that matters is our soul. That idea, and then that, that fleshes out in some weird ways. Like, here's how you know you've maybe fallen prey to this. When you think about heaven, do you ever have that thought that maybe I'll be bored? 
I'll be honest, I used to think that, and that is a result of this false teaching that stems way back to like the second century called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism taught that the body, that physical stuff is bad, and the soul, the spiritual matter is good, and it crept into the church, and it creeps into our world's thinking, because you think of pictures, cartoons of heaven look like what? What do you see in the cartoons? Clouds? Harps, right? Um, Even like, you know, great movies like It's a Wonderful Life. That's got a messed up picture of heaven. Okay, to think about heaven, read Genesis 1 and think that's the prototype. That's the proof of concept. It was beautiful, perfect, but it had the potential to fail. God intentionally created it with the possibility that it could break if will, human will, free will comes into the picture. Okay, it's the way he made it. He made it perfect by design, but with the potential that it could fall apart. Then go read Revelation 21 and 22. And you see that heaven is like the Garden of Eden, this world perfected without the possibility of failure. And in other words, if you enjoy these amazing elements we talked at the very beginning about looking at God's creation and seeing cornfields just go nuts... Then just imagine your Savior walking around and living with you in that same way and there being no pain, no tears, that it was very good. It is. Okay, that brings up a really great thing that I was going to announce during church time. On October, it says in the bulletin. My wife's full. I'll have to look at it in a second. Actually, I got one right here. October 3rd, we're, next week we're going to cover our last question in a grouping of related questions. That now, October 3rd Sunday School, I'm going to use for us to kind of review a little bit. And then just take open questions. But I'd like to actually have you kind of start to email them to me or text them to me so that Matt and I can even talk about them when we get together occasionally and, and answer. Because that's a really good one that I'm not going to answer in two seconds. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. It really absolutely is. <clears throat> and it's really hard when you see, it says all creation was very good. We know Genesis 3 happened, but how does God continue to create, sustain, and yet we have to answer for mutation, right? We have to answer, how, what does the Bible say about the law of entropy? Okay, that means things fall apart, right? Great question, though. Sorry, I'm going to punt on that one. I'll try to remember. <laughs> okay, this last phrase, where do we get this from? I want you to just read with me here. I'll read it, but just check this out from Psalm 72. Now, Psalm 72 is a psalm that's talking about the king. And particularly, it was about the king of Israel. But when you read it, 
and you think about the kings of Israel that are described in the Bible, none of them fit this kind of amazing picture. So Psalm 72 is what we call a messianic psalm. It's pointing forward to the future king of Israel who will rule like this. And under his loving rule, things go like this. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. That's meaning like let the waters flow down from the mountains when the snow melts so that the crops and everything down below flourish. And may he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all... Does this sound like a king that's human right now? It doesn't even sound like any king that's ever ruled. It's got to sound like a king that's amazing. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. And you can go on and read the rest of that psalm. It's amazing. Um, But that's... I don't want to get on much of a rabbit trail here, but there's different views of how the world, how the trajectory of history is going. Like we call that, it's a big fancy word called eschatology, which means the end times. That kind of psalm right there is an argument in my mind why there's going to be a time when Jesus will rule on this earth with a rod of iron. And this kind of thing is talking about what it will be like during his time here on earth. Okay, that to me is just an argument for that. I know that we won't rarely talk about that, but it's an interesting thing to think about because why does this king have to defend the cause of the poor and deliverance if everything is already fixed perfectly? Just an interesting thought, food for thought. Maybe we'll save that for the Q&A time sometime. But clearly what we do know is that under Jesus, the king, the Messiah, that everything's going to flourish. It's going to be amazing and really we already get tastes of that today all right so why does it matter let's say this and then we'll dig into that what else did god create god created all things by his powerful rule and all his creation was very good everything flourished under his loving rule okay so why does it matter god reveals himself in all that he has created Okay, that means something. Okay, Romans 1, 19 through 20. I've got it up there on the board for you. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, like the things you can't see about God, are revealed. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world. How? In the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So let's go back to the very beginning. What questions, when you look at creation, do you, can you tell that there's a God? Kids, can you see that? What's like the most amazing thing you can, you've seen in nature? that tells you there has to be a God because it doesn't make sense if there isn't. Is there anything you can think of that just like, oh, my goodness. Well, like uh, he's a kid saying too. a minute ago, <laughs> the 
talking about math. I know everybody. Sorry, math. <laughs> Our math teacher here. But it's absolutely true. Like the the amazing intricate clockwork that's just our solar system is astounding Ooh. I mean it's it's so precise and it it functions in a way that just is better than anything we could ever make ourselves right. I think you know you wouldn't ever look at something that was that precise and worked that way and think that just happened how can we have a clock on the back of that wall that clock depends on God always keeping the sun turning and our galaxy turning around it, mm-hmm. our, our, our solar system around it, and then our galaxy rotating. It all de- we cannot make clocks if God was not consistent. Audrey. What you saying kind of reminded me of the, that movie, Hidden Figures, about the women who helped them to launch air, you know, space rockets, and the fact that you can't do that unless there are sure things in the universe you can count on. If there are not laws of nature, you cannot harness them to to bring you know rockets into space and bring them back down and put man on the moon and all of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's not like there's one law. No, it's like <laughs> yeah, a right? plethora of laws. Yes. yes, exactly. That if they were a millionth off, a millionth, were, right? Yeah. Like in that in that that movie, they're trying to whip them around the backside of the moon to grab some of that gravitational power to thrust them back. <laughs> I just can't help but laugh just thinking about the immensity of that. Uh, Amanda. Before, like they say, like something like the Big Bang Theory or something, like the odds of like that happening would be like if you took a watch and put like all the parts of a watch in a bag and shook it up, and for it to like come together as a watch. Mm-hmm. That would be the odds of like the universe just like coming together. To that to happen. Yeah. Well, then you mentioned the, the Big Bang, and um, my favorite things is when you you have these atheists that write these books and they try to address the question that comes up with the Big Bang because any uh, the smallest child knows the question that comes up. Well, where then where did that come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and their explanations are ridiculous. I think Stephen Hawking yes. said it was gravity. Gravity made all the thing. How did gravity make stuff? So where did gravity come from? Yeah, right. gravity, yeah. And then yeah, anybody goes with half mind goes, where, well, where did that come from? Right. You might like dedicate a, your life to, to disproving yeah. Yeah. that rather than seeing it. Yeah, to see it. Yeah. Uh, if, unless you're in a constant fight. Yeah. Denise, you were going to say something. Okay. That's uh, Christopher Hitchens, uh, known atheist. I think it's is it Peter Hitchens or Christopher. Christopher. Peter's a good the guy. Atheist, right? Right. Peter wrote a book about his brother called Rage Against God, um, and where he talks about. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a, it's a rage. It's a rage against like this denial. I mean, you got to defiantly because the more you learn about our world, the more you go. The heavens declare the glory of God. Yes. The sky yes. above proclaims his handiwork. Day yes. to day utters speech, night to night utters knowledge. Yes. You know, there's no speech or language where his voice is not heard. And you, you, you and so he identified his brothers who had died at that point as this is ultimately his, it was his it rage. Was rage. So that gets at the last phrase in this. I want you to just think with me. What does this mean? So they are without excuse. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I can't say there's 
They can't say there's no God. It's impossible. And if they have to admit that there's a God, what does that mean they have to admit about themselves? They're accountable. Like, they're made by him. Even if they don't like the word accountable, they at least have to admit they didn't make themselves. That they have a boss. And the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So, one reason this stuff matters is because God reveals himself in all that he's created. And we have no excuse. So, here's the other thing I think this matters. Because we have all around us prompts to worship. Prompts towards worshiping. Like, I get into times when I feel like my heart's in a funk. Right? And I just feel like I'm going through the motions. And I, I'm a, I'm, at that point, I'm acting like the fool, not opening my eyes to see that God is all around and his evidence of him is all around. And I ought to be worshiping. Right? Right? Why else does it matter? Any thoughts on your, your mind? We do actually have a couple minutes. We might be able to do that song if you want to do it, but we'll see here. Well, I see these. This is, these are foundational truths. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a culture right now that you know, we were talking about the body. This world despises the body. Mm-hmm. You know, you know like God created, he called it the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But these foundational truths, if, if we didn't have this, what would this earth be like? Mm-hmm. It would screwed up. Worse right. than it is now. Right. Um, but God has everything, it's decent and in order. Yeah, and there's coming a day when He will reveal those yes. things, and, and everybody, what those things, says everybody's going to bow down. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Foundational truths, and if, if we don't have this, if this isn't fixed in our heart, then we better, we better get it fixed in our heart. Right, right. Any other comments? Just in agreement to that, we look at a, a lot of our youth, and we were talking about this the other day. A lot of our youth that are abandoning. The faith, and if you if you stop and ponder that, a lot of times it's because they haven't learned or accepted these foundational truths in defiance of what they observe in the world around them. Yeah, like in, just in nature, you just look at these things, and in a defiance of that, they've rejected the what does it say the truth of God for a lie. Yeah, they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We have just a couple minutes. We're gonna just close our time with singing. Um, Christ, our hope in life and death. And Jeff's going to lead it. I'll play at the piano. So.